This podcast is sponsored by Radio C, number one for all your drone-related needs. Pay them a visit at radioc.co.uk and use the promo code LDO for 5% off your order and free shipping on orders over £80. Telemetry recovered. Yo, and you're back listening to Let's Drone Out. I am enjoined by someone who matters. Painless 360, everyone. Round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, welcome to Let's Drone Out. And we're joined by the usual crew over the internet via Skype. We are joined by the Aussie favourite, the cheery man. Ah, yeah, that's me, Chipko. Hello of all. Don't forget, Chipko's got his first show up. Well, you I hope you've been listening to this show over the years for technical tips. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do the opposite of what we do. How not to do something. <laughs> yep. So that Saki yeah. comment was from our lovable big man. Good luck with your bean up. Thank you very much. It's uh, Adam Juniper in London. And last but not least, my favourite, the good old happy-go-lucky Tonester One. Hey, what's up, dudes? So, Painless, how you doing? And welcome to the show. I'm doing very well. Thanks for the invitation. It's nice to talk to you again, Jack. How are you? Yeah, it's fine. Um, I, I need to say a massive thank you to you because two days ago, uh, something showed up on my door that was very lovely and it is a KISS flight controller, KISS ESCs, and that weird KISS board that you mount your ESCs on. So, I, I, friends in high places, thank you. You've improved my life. It's like hanging around with a celebrity. Just, you know, he <laughs> well, can make that's stuff happen. Bad, but that, that, that's all down to the Flyduino boys. I, I just made the introduction. But the, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, after the show, I'll give you a clue. I think I've finally found a frame that it'll fit in well. Ah, I'm looking forward to that because I, I sent I sent you a little bit of a red herring, but I thought you know that's that's big enough. But yeah, a big thank you to uh, Felix and uh, Paul from um, Flyduino. They're they're awesome guys and great customer service. And uh, and uh, Oscar Lang on Oscar Lang's blog, he gave them a wicked review as well. So there doesn't appear to be any more fires. Kiss are safe. Everyone's very happy. And Mr. Steel might be right. Maybe your flight controller can do what uh, what the Nace 32 can't. Please don't hurt me, Hydra. <laughs> Hydra, that's it. Hydra's never coming on again. Laura will come on, maybe if we ask her. But, no, carry on. <laughs> so, um, well, I, I think if you talk to Hydra now and ask him what clean flight should be running on, I don't think his answer would be a Nace anymore. Yeah, yeah, true. I know. What what's your what is your favourite board anyway at the moment? If you were gonna be like, right, what's a safe bet on, on a flight controller? That's a really tricky question. It's one we get asked a lot. I actually have a hidden video that I put together specifically when I get this question. Because it's kind of like asking uh, you know what your favorite food is and, and it kind of depends on the day that you ask because some people want an out and out racing board some people want a gps capability some people want it really easy to set up i mean the, we were spoilt a little bit in the hobby right now in that we have so many choices and not no one single board can do everything so it, it's really very down to what the pilot wants to do how comfortable the builder is actually making their their multi-rotor and um, and how expandable they want it to be. So for a newbie, for example, you know, I still um, put them towards CC3Ds and Libra Pilot. And I know a lot of people, you know, are, are not big fans of the CC3D, but things like the Setup Wizard for it is absolutely great. And it's very difficult, not impossible, but very difficult to really get it wrong when you're setting up a CC3D. Mm. Um, if you if you want a, a good clean flight board, 
you know, there are hundreds of STM32 F3 based flight controllers now. So you've got, you know, you've got the stuff from Hydra, the SP3, you've got the new SP3 SP3 Mini that we're playing with here. We've got, you've got the Calibri, you've got the Dodo. There's, there's loads of them out there and they're really great platforms. You've also got the Nazi 32, which is cheap as chips, literally. Mm. Um, and then you've got the, the more interesting open source boards. You've got the old APM, which is a bit long in the tooth, but actually still flies really well. You're never going to put it in a racer, but if you want a really stable craft and you want it cheap and cheerful, then that's great. And then you've got things like the Pixhawk and the Pix Racer uh, for those people that want, you know, full 32-bit FMUV4 based flight controllers with with all the gadgets. So yeah. I don't think there's there's one flight controller that can do do everything yet. So my favorite flight controller is usually the last one we've done a series on. <laughs> the one that you're most familiar with. Yeah, the one the one that I'm I'm really comfortable with and I've spent the last 3 weeks of my life getting under the covers on and then and then 3 weeks later it'll be something else. Uh, do you do you have I I suffer with that where like you know, you've been trying to figure something out. Something out. You you know, you go to sleep, and then all of a sudden, three a.m., wake up. Ah, oh, yeah, I haven't tried that. <laughs> you know, and uh, stuff like that. Really, you do that stuff hours and hours at night, late night, trying to fix it, and then going to sleep and then fixing it the next morning in five seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Rob... and probably from a few painless videos. <laughs> oh. it, it sometimes happens. It sometimes happens. I mean, we, we, we tend to do a lot of the production stuff in the morning um, just because that's the way the light's better where we shoot the videos, just, just the way it works. Um, and you're right. You tend to go to sleep with a, with a problem in your head and then you'll wake up the following morning and it'll, it'll just be there. An example is we, we did um, a subscriber request recently for setting up crow mixes on the Tyrannus radio. Mm. And it was one of those, we, we get some really wonderful questions from subscribers, which is great because a lot of the time we don't know what we're going to be doing on the channel and the subscribers are never short of, of giving us something to do. And uh, somebody said, oh, how do you do a crow mix? So I sat with the radio and I goofed around with it and, uh, you know, we got a video together and we put it up and lots of people said, that's great. And then afterwards I was thinking, well, what I'd really like to do is have the control surfaces move very slowly and wouldn't it be good if you could and how about? So then I couldn't figure it out. I played with the Tronis again for another 15 minutes, then 45 minutes, then two hours, and eventually thought, oh, I can't make this work. It doesn't make sense. And then the following morning, got up, kind of sat down at the bench, picked it up and thought, I wonder. And 15 minutes later, I had it all working and was starting to shoot the video. And that's one you know, where you could do other settings. And yeah, it, it does. It sometimes works like that. Um, and, and I know one of the questions that we've had is about, you know, what do I do when I get stuck? Um, and it's a, and it's an interesting one because just like we were talking before we started recording the show, um, a lot of the information and answers that we cover on the channel is actually already out there in the public domain. The, the challenge sometimes is is that it can be tricky to find. It's either buried in a forum somewhere, or it's you know in a small print in a manual, um, or it's it's in a place where the the truth is there, but it's surrounded particularly in forums, it's surrounded by contradictory information. So if you're a new pilot, you know, you're not sure which uh, poster to believe. Or if you're a very new pilot, sometimes you're not even sure what 
you're supposed to be searching for. If you have an error that comes up on, you know, on a ground station or a graphical user interface, if you Google that, you'll usually find a clue as what's going on. But if you're brand new and it just doesn't work, like you, you, your craft flips over when you take off, you know, that's one that we did a video for because I had so many pilots that would spend several evenings building their first quadcopter and then smash it to pieces as soon as they tried to take mm. off in the back garden. And I'll put my hand up. I've done that twice as well. And that's and, and there's five or six things that it's possibly going to be. But that, I mean, that, that I think is quite tricky for people uh, when they're trying to find things out. And for me, if I'm stuck, then it's usually me and the Google search engine uh, will probably spend a good 45 minutes or an hour researching. And if I get really stuck, then I'll usually send a very polite, nice worded email to the manufacturer and nine times out of 10, those guys are great. They'll come back to you and kind of explain and, and try and help and sort it out. And I think that's probably more of an issue when it gets to open source things. I mean, I recently built an APM board, uh, a little uh, flying machine, mostly thanks to your help and your series, because it was very helpful. But it was the GPS, as in there's so many different variants of a GPS and trying to find the information that's specific for the one I had, whereas and I think that's the key, isn't it? Trying to find the right information for the right thing you have at the right time at the right place. But that's where I suppose your videos have helped massively to the, the whole community. So, yeah. So. Yeah, well, th thank you for that because we, we did start out um, just trying to make it easier. I mean, as, it, as, as it's worked out, the names kind of become to stand for something. I mean, if, <laughs> if, if I was starting out now, um, I would probably call the channel something more useful, like EZRC or something, you know, um, that's probably already out there. But, you know, something that if you found it on YouTube, you'll know what it's all about. Um, uh, but, but when we first started out, it was to actually help those people on RC groups and those forums and places like um, HeliGuy and those guys. I used to be very active on those forums as well. And there used to be a lot of the same questions that came up frequently. And it was usually from um, the pilots. Uh, you know, than the builders who were doing their first builds. And there were several gotchas that we'd all fall into. And I did the same thing. Mm. When I started out, there was a great guy called uh, Finless Bob who did video series, uh, not on YouTube. I think they were available through RC Groups. And I built my first couple of T-Rex 450 helicopters, um, sat with his video playing on my PC on my desk and in front of me was, you know, a thousand different bits of um, helicopter. And I'd watch the video and I'd pause it and then I'd do that bit and then play the video. Um, and, and I really learned a lot from that. So what I wanted to do was for those people that I kept bumping into the forums after the sixth or seventh time answering the same question, I thought, well, this is obviously something that people don't understand. I'll make a quick little video. So the next time I find this question, rather than me type, try and find the last time I answered it and find all the text. I'll just um, direct them to the video because a lot of people, uh, me included, I learn better from watching somebody do it than reading the manual. No way. Good old Painter 360, monkey see, monkey do. <laughs> well, <laughs> How the tides have changed. <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's such a good medium for learning the basics. Yeah. And the other thing that you were saying about uh, forums being such a minefield of conflicting fighting information and quite off-putting to someone getting started is completely true as well it's great to have a, a a face that you know you can connect with and watch and pause crucially 
Right. No, no. Well, it, it's nice now because I actually have um, people who, uh, w w when they finished and they successfully got it flying, will send me photos of, of them building their quadcopter. And it's really funny because they're sat there with their laptop open at one side of the desk with my video running. And they've got like the minimum OSD or whatever it is they're configuring in front of them at the same time watching the video. And it just it takes me immediately back to 2007, 2008 when I was doing it. And it's kind of it's very odd to be the one on the on the screen rather than the one you know with the screwdriver and the thread lock trying to figure out how this um, helicopter head went together. Weird, because uh, I did my um, my first big build, um, uh, and hello to Fab who sold me the bits was um, a Taro Hex from Kit. You know, really quite ambitious because I wanted to do videography, not um, not racing, and. Uh, no one told me about Threadlock, <laughs> so it flew fine. I, it was perfect first time, flew wonderfully for a bit until eventually it threw a bit off and then crashed. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, these multi rotors don't glide for toffee, do they? No, that's no, it. No, no, no glides. Not at all. You know, there's one question that a lot of new flyers don't actually seem to ask, and that's how do I fly? And yet, I was uh, pleasantly surprised when I came across. The system you used, I believe, playing this when you first started flying helicopters, which I think is lost at the moment. People think that these things, you know, they have stabilization, they're easy to fly, you learn forwards, backwards, yaw. But actually, there's probably more to that than flying a multi rotor. And the system you used, do you want to just talk about that one? Because I think that's relevant to a lot of flyers out there that are just starting out. The wrap so system, is it? Uh, well, it's, it's based, yeah, the, the program that I've used is based on RADS with two Ds. Um, anyone out there that hasn't has uh, seen RADS, and, and again, it's a bit of a lost art. If you Google RADS School of Rotary Flight, you'll um, find it. And when I first started flying um, you could, fixed pitch helicopters, it was a Walker, little Walkera honeybee or something like that. Um, I'm showing my age now, but the... Um, when I was trying to fly it, uh, without stabilization or anything, it, w it was really, really hard work. And somebody, again, in the forum said, oh, follow Rad School of Rotary Flight. And it was fantastic. You know, I, I took chunks out of most of the cabinets in the kitchen because it was the only tiled floor in the house as I was scooting it around. And, <laughs> you know, I, I eventually got to the point where I could hover it. Uh, and it probably took me a couple of months to get to the point where I could hover it um, without thinking, unconsciously. Um, but but the, the, there is a little bit of a danger, I think, these days where because of all of the help that you get with the multi-rotors, with the self-level, the return to home, the other bits and pieces, that, that some pilots aren't learning to fly the craft properly and are relying on all these aids. And the, the, the problem is, is if one of these aids and we all know, you know, this isn't really military grade tech we're using here. This is, you know, this is open source hobby grade stuff. If one of those little things goes wrong, they're snookered. So, you know, being able to hover in all orientations, um, you know, being able to, um, to to figure out which way the quad's pointing when you're flying it is, is kind of really important. Um, and, you know, I was actually helping a guy over in Greece who was building his own quadcopter. He was building a hexcopter with a camera underneath. And what he wanted to do was overfly, have a little business overflying the, uh, the hotels out there for their promotional videos. So he was building one and he was doing it with an APM and he was trying to figure out with his Tiranas how he did the mixing for the gimbal and a fantastic couple of calls that we had with him. But his friend went out and bought a DJI thing. Um, 
with all of the help and and within a couple of hours was um, out flying over the top of hotels doing video, which is which is great and a real testament to how easy DJI have made it until yeah. something goes wrong. Um, and then I think, you know, then if you've got to fly it back manually without all the help, then, you know, potentially you've got a, a, a whirling blades of death, um, you know, flying out, falling out of the sky and potentially going to hurt people, pets or property. And I think that's sometimes, you know, that, that is one thing that sometimes gets me a little bit worried is that those, those people that build the drones and go through, uh, the, the, the kind of rad school of rotary flight, I think are better pilots and they can also handle when something goes wrong on the model and get it down safely without hurting anybody. You've made me feel guilty. I have to go and do my homework. I was supposed <laughs> been there doing my bean up. I was going to say, you mentioned the Phantom making people, um, you know, feeling too safe. Um, I was just watching the, the Phantom 4 release. And uh, talking about how safe it's going to be because it can see, you know, even on its return journey, not to hit an object. But it can only see forwards and drones can fly in any direction, right? Oh, it can, and that, and that's, that assumes the cable hasn't fallen out the back of the camera. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Well, it's, it's built in, though, that, that those two <laughs> cameras, aren't they? So... It, yeah, the camera's attached. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Oh, it still it, breaks off pretty easy. It probably is. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but, you know, I, I've had instances where, uh, you know, back in the multi-wee days where, you know, I've taken off and it's appeared fine. And then halfway through the flight, it suddenly developed a really bad list in one direction. And I've had to combat that to level it out and try and bring it back so that I could land it safely. And it might be, I don't know, that a prop was slipping or an ESC started to misbehave or one of the bearings is going, or it might just be the multi-wee was having a bad day. Um, you Good know, I, it's only the fact... <laughs> yeah, or I've done something wrong. Um, but it's only the fact that... <laughs> Jack, Jack, express some disbelief. No, no, yeah, I, I am. That's my silence. Exactly. He could not possibly have done something wrong. No, it's painless. But yeah... Gadgets, you know, anything electronic can't be trusted. And if things are too easy to trust, people will be more inclined to make mistakes because they won't know what to do when things go wrong. I completely agree with you. I, I think we should advocate the painless um, campaign where it's compulsory I, IQ test to, in order to buy a Phantom. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. And it, well, I'm, I'm not sure about that because I'm not sure I'd pass. But uh, you know, I, but I do think I do think there just needs to be a little bit of um, consideration around some of the safety aspects of this. Um, just, 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 just so that when when we fly these things and something does go wrong, we've got a chance of get one getting the craft back, um, or um, or if we don't get the craft back, you know, it it, it doesn't land on. Uh, on 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 a kid's playground or something, which would just which would be heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, I think people can actually, you know, if they've been flying with the stabilisation, it's not stopping them from going back and then starting to learn again with this uh, method of, of learning. You know, in a manual yeah. sense of, of flight. So I think. People and you're not to... a real man or woman until you've done that. I think. I, I, I would say, say yeah, you're not, you're not a real man until so you can. Till you can hover nose in, I think. You know, I think that's that's the that, that's yeah. the motto. <laughs> yeah, Tony. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that's <laughs> me out then. LOS Tony, I I can't wait to start that series. You're like yeah, you're not making me look man. a fool. It's like, mate, you need to do this, and your sheer <laughs> anger and aversion towards me and flying line of sight will be comedic. 
and might it encourage other funny, people. But, yeah. Oh, mate. I'm you, just going to make a fool of myself. You're going to punch me in the face. I can just... <laughs> Um, are you going to actually do fighting because I'll stay and listen to that yeah, yeah don't worry <laughs> me, me and Tony fight often um, we got... right, I'm going to enjoy listening to the rest of this later um, no but bye for now um, wish me luck right. good luck bye. Man. Goodbye. cheers good luck. and now off to stare at aeronautical charts yay yeah. um, painless by the way you can put in uh, in the chat on the Thursday night show um, no that's right Dom whispers is not in it you can put the links to uh, the flight school in the chat, and we can add that to the show notes as well, if you okay, if you brilliant. want to. I will. I'll, I'll I'll send you the links to the video that that we did because we did a video that were there's the steps to learn to fly, yeah. And then we did an extra one that was about four or five steps of transitioning from line of sight to FPV, um, and uh, that actually. That, that, that second one, we actually did a mini version for um, for an article in Drone Magazine because when you you know for those of us that uh, learned to fly line of sight, going to FPV initially can be quite disorientating because you're so used to using your eyes to check whether or not you're sinking or or rising, and yeah. you, that you lose all that spatial awareness. No, I didn't know you did that video. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'd be more of a line of sight than an FPV, and actually. It seems the technology is going to FPV, so that sounds like a winner, that one. There, there has been um, a few funny things said in the chat. Um, Matthew Austin said, be brave. It's a KK flight, flight board uh, is the best one. The other thing is someone said, oh, um, Tony, who? what's his name again? You know, Jackus, J-A-Q-U-E-S. Oh, Jack, Jack. Yeah, yeah. he said... Um, Painless, you are awesome. Thank, thanks, man. So yeah, you got you got some real love in the canvas tonight on the on the chat. Thank you, Jack. It's, that's it's very nice to hear. It's always lovely when we hear from pilots that have uh, benefited from the videos. Because to be fair, I I probably use uh, the videos just as much as anybody these days. Because um, as we were joking before, you know about which is my favourite flight controller, the last one. It's amazing how often. Um, you know, my my wife will wander in. I'm sat watching one of my own videos with the piece of technology in front of me. Things like you know, updating smart port uh, receivers on the Tyrannus or whatever. It, it, I I kind of remember it. I figure it out. We do the video. I'll probably do another half a dozen that I've ordered, and then I won't touch it for five weeks. And then when I come to do the next one, I actually end up watching my own video. So it's actually helpful for me as well sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and certain companies that won't be mentioning phoning you up about their own products, being like, "How do I use them?" <laughs> no. Well, that, to be fair, that you know, it it it's kind of fun when that happens and we're we've been lucky in that as we as the channels got bigger and and it, you know you, you and i've talked about this jack you know it, yeah. it's not about the number of subscribers it's not you know that that's not what this is about it is literally just about putting stuff out there that helps the community helps but it, grow. Um, it as we've got that little bit bigger we started to get um relationships with some of the developers and builders so you know we know the team behind um, the Pix Racer and the Pix Hawk. We obviously know the Arduino, uh, the Flyduino guys. Now uh, we know, you know, Dominic Hydra and those guys. We we have relationships with all the suppliers that you know, Raphael at TBS and that stuff. So so it's it's been really great for us to actually get hold of that and get um, and get direct input because it's amazing how often you'll 
you'll get a product. Um, and in fact, I was you know talking to um, Team Black Sheep today about some stuff that they're doing, um, and they'll they'll send me it like the Power Cube. Yeah. And I'll be setting it up, and there'll be something I'm expecting to happen, and it doesn't. And then I'll go back to them and say, "All right, well, what about this?" Um, and there's been a couple of instances really where that person's gone, "Oh, um, actually, that's a really good idea. We haven't done that. We'll add it to the firmware." Mm. So it's it's kind of cute as well that you know because you play with so much technology, hey, cute. You, you, <laughs> get to, you get to see some nice stuff, and you can um, you know you can almost be part of the process in helping develop it, which is really fun. Oh, yeah. So. Uh... See, I'm interested to see your thoughts on where you might see these flight controllers going. I mean, there are so many different variants coming out. I mean, one's based on Raspberry Pis, the Navio 2 board. And yeah, that the, is weird, you know, isn't it? STM boards that are coming through. Where do you think these things are going to go? Do you think they're just going to get more um, integrated like mobile phones have with more on board that can do everything? Or do you think it's going to be still splintered off into races versus this versus that? I, st- I still think there's going to be some specialism. I think we're, we're not going to get away from that. But I think we're going to start to get more boards that have um, more technology in them. At the moment, there's a lot of discrete components. So, you know, if you want to build a racing quad, you might get a NASI 32. You might get a Minim OSD. You'll get the ESCs and you get everything else. Um, you know, we've got things like the new e- some of the new Emacs stuff here, some of the new flight controllers that they've got. The... Um, uh, and they, they have an on-screen display integrated into them. You know, if we look at what the KISS um, guys are doing, the Flyduino, where it's a, a baseboard with a little flight controller stuck on top, um, I, I think we're going to see more of that uh, as we go through the year. I mean, it's, 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 I'm just tr- trying to make sure I'm not, not sharing anything I shouldn't hear with some of it. Yeah. But, but, Non-disclosure. Uh, but, but I, I think... Sorry, Jack. I, I think I think we, you know, we're going to see more of that this year. Um, it's going to continue to be an interesting year uh, for FPV. I think I think we're going to see some big announcements in FPV this year with the FPV technology getting um, a lot higher resolution and a lot lower latency. So that, I think that's something that we can all look forward to. I think the prices are going to continue to fall this year. Um, there's a lot of pressure on the manufacturers and designers of the board. So people like, uh, you know, Philip and uh, Dominic and those guys that are creating these new platforms that were flying as part of the open source community. When mm. the Pix Racer was uh, first brought out, um, it, it took a matter of weeks for the Chinese guys to to, oh, to yeah. copy that and start um, start getting ready to offer clone versions. Um, so the technology is getting a, an awful lot cheaper. So, so this year, I think we're going to see, you know, personally, from what I'm seeing with what people are asking for on the channel, uh, it's about getting um, cheaper, better, easier FPV. And it's about getting more uh, holistic systems that come all together. So rather than you have to try and find the ESCs that work well, that flight controller and figure out all the different settings for whether it's Simon K or BL Heli or One Shot 125 or some of the cool stuff that KISS is doing, yeah. you buy it as a package and then all you're really doing in is plugging in your motors and snapping it onto a frame. Mm-hmm. I suppose the other aspect of it is the software, isn't it, really? I mean, it became evident to me when I was going through this APM. It's an old 8-bit board, really, but the software's sort of matured with it. And I suppose the software on some of the other uh, boards like the STM chipsets and things, there's not been the same investment in some of the things the APM can do because people haven't requested it. But the software as well is still going through its uh, maturity um, where in the open source world, whereas you've well, got the proprietary things like your DJIs and things. But I think the software probably itself can also 
do with a lot of investment. It, it, it's an interesting example that you bring up because 3DR were actually supporting the um, the development of the APM software. So Mission Planner and Arduplane. So they were actually paying, I think there was about 10 developers being paid for by 3DR that were working just on the uh, firmware and the software graphical user interface. Now, 3DR actually recently pulled that support. So they've dropped dramatically. I think there's only two or three developers left on that. Mm. But... Um, that's one of the reasons why that solution was so fantastic and why they could get so much out of a really old-fashioned 8 and we still can by the way out of an 8-bit board with limited memory and you know quite mature sensors um, and 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 that goodness is kind of brought through to Pixhawk so that, but that the difference there is the difference between somebody like 3DR pumping money into a development team that's 100% dedicated to working on that and that's their job to something like you know the the clean flights the base flights and that stuff that an awful lot of us are flying now where it's an open source project and it's only getting worked on by the people who have the time the expertise and also those, you know, the guys that are interested in it. So, so the the development of that, as you're absolutely right, gets pushed by what people are asking for. I mean, I've been talking to Dominic for probably over 12 months, and he's sick of me talking about it, about the fact that the GPS code that was in the multi-Wii 8-bit version that, you know, base flight was taken from that then became clean flight, the GPS code in the original multi-Wii was actually really good. Yeah. The GPS hold and the GPS return to home were fantastic. I used it all the time. And it's, Mega Pirate, was it? Uh, well, no, no, you didn't have to. Well, Mega Pirate was good, but even on a little, um, you know, a Cirrus SE 2.5 Bog Basic one, if you stuck a GPS on it, it would do a really nice hold and return to home. Um, and, and we lost that when we went to base flight and clean flight. And, you know, I've all, I'm all, always berating Dominic about the fact it's not there. Now, hopefully I now... The fork of clean yes. flight where they're redeveloping all that gps code is going to fix that but again the reason that that hasn't been uh, sorted out until now is that's not really been the focus for those guys they're more interested in getting a super duper high performance racing platform where you know gps is kind of a nice to have so it's 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 been definitely you know that towards the bottom of the list so it's a very very different model i think that we're talking about between something like an apm pixhawk pix racer and something like the open source stuff well like you have with um with clean flight or base flight because mm. open pilot did some promising well showed promise really for getting more of the way for you know gps code in there but and i suppose that's the other aspect people choose something they want to spend their invest their time and expertise in and it may be different forks for a different board different sort of setup so i suppose yeah it, it could be quite interesting to see what does happen on the software and if it coincides with the, the technological updates that are coming through it, it is it is complicated with the software right now because we have got a situation where clean flight is fantastically successful you know an awful lot of the pilots um, are flying it now for those boards like the nazi 32 the stm 32 or three base boards um you know and, and it's and it's fantastic for racing we've got boris b um with his high performance code doing all that stuff in beta flight we've got the team doing inav which is a fork that's looking at all the gps code and you know the, the plan from what i understand it is is you know once that code is finished and tested it'll eventually be rolled back into, into clean flight um the challenge is of course is then you know clean flight is is becoming you know um 
quite a project to look after. It's supporting an awful lot of different targets and boards. All of that has to be tested and managed. And, you know, it, it becomes quite an overhead for that team to make sure that any change that they make is going to work on everything. Mm. And that's where people like, you know, um, the Flyduino boys, their model's really different and quite interesting because they, they have one board, they have one lot of code, and so long as the code works on that board, then, you know, tick, job done. They can carry on developing and putting new stuff into it. Yeah, because, like, that's, that's the thing with the open source is, like, it has got millions of minds working on it but in order to keep clean flight true to its name you can't just start putting fixes of uh, uh, patches and fixes on top of each other and the code has to be quite scrutinized and and gone through and and tested and uh, i think they will they will at some point have to stop you know um because i think they've stopped supporting like the uh cc3d because that has to have its own hex and all that sort of i just think it's kind of like you know i mean we are you know especially like with people like you in the community that we are standing on the shoulders of giants and i am really looking forward to um to seeing where all this goes and like i'm really hoping that the the um the inav uh like kind of pulls the the uh the gps back to to the old um multi-wee days but equally it's it's you know it, it makes me think uh should we be selecting like the right tool for the job you know like using a different board for for different things or or do you or are you a big fan of um you know getting a, a naze and like bolting different components onto it no i i, I think you've hit the nail on the head jack i think for those people that want you know gps flight modes and all that goodness then you know, you know I, I did an interview with dominic for an article that i wrote for a magazine and uh, dominic summed it up in one sentence he basically said look if you want gps and all that stuff then it's not clean flight yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so so he he's really clear about that about what clean flight's about and that that really helps us as builders say okay great so so although we can add those things on and inav is coming and in the future it might be if i'm going to strap you know a 500 quid Sony camera under a hexcopter, am I going to run that on a NASI 32? Probably not. I'm probably going to get my hands on something like a Pixhawk or a, a Pix Racer or one of those boards that has lots of redundancy, redundant sensors, uh, buffered IO, all that goodness, and also has some fantastic GPS flight modes that if I really, really get in trouble, I can flick the old deer switch and it'll gently come back and land itself at my feet. Oh, the shoes on the other foot. So much for the uh, the school of flight. You know, if you've got a problem, bring it in yourself. But uh, yeah. well, <laughs> use technology, use it to your advantage, yeah. but don't rely on it. I think that's the key there. Yeah, no, yeah. I, it's true. I'm just trying to wind him up. I, I can't imagine angry, painless 360. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was well, worth a well, shot. I don't know. Yeah, wait, wait, yeah, you you haven't been here when I've been trying to figure something out for two hours. I, yeah, I, I, I. There's some rude words said normally before well, I finally figure it out. That's funny. Are we, are, are we going to have um, HD FPV by the end of this year? I think I think it's a safe bet. Uh, how expensive it's going to be, how uh, reliable it's going to be, I think we need to wait and see. Uh, there, there are a number of, of projects going on right now that are uh, that, that are actually working. But it's about um, making 
it fit to mass produce and bring to market. Um, mm, yeah. So, so it, it, hey, I'm really interested in HD. The one I'm actually more excited about, which I'm still waiting for, is I've got these wonderful Dominator glasses that do 3D. I still haven't got uh, found a 3D camera for less than 120 quid. So, you know, I'm quite, I'll be quite over the moon with a bit of 3D while I'm waiting for HD. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not completely sure that you know hd will be the big game changer everybody sees because with a good set of goggles and a nice six or seven hundred tvl line camera that's working well um you know you can get some really lovely images that are very immersive and you forget you're looking at the goggles and i think that's you know that's that's when you know that fpv's worked when you forget you're looking at a little screen yeah. oh yeah i mean i i get sucked in anyway um and i'm so immersed anyway but Having the HD would just let me see them pesky little twigs what catch you out now and again. Hmm. I mean, you just need to go at them faster. Just just break through. It'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> so that makes it's a matter of time, isn't it? Some really, sharp and... I mean, it just. Sorry, Joe. Carry on. I find well, I, I think HD and many other you know the essential thing will happen. It's just as things get smaller, get more accessible get cheaper to develop and cheaper to produce then we will get these things and 3d but um i suppose it's just the, how, how soon do we have to wait and i think with the rise of the popularity of these flying machines i think there's more money to uh, do that so it's just how patient can you be I, yeah I, I don't think we're going to have to wait too long before we're going to start seeing the first um demos of the hd technology um, and then I think, you know, as we talked about before, as soon as it's in production and uh, the cloners get their hands on it, then, you know, we'll have uh, different versions available that are, are a lot less expensive. And that's a, that's a bit of a double-edged sword, really, because one, it means that, you know, we don't have to spend £800 on a set of HD goggles. But on, on the other side, it means that the people who are putting the effort in to develop this stuff um, aren't making the money they need to to continue to develop and innovate. Yeah, um, Andy's put up a an interesting thing. I was just about to say this. He says, I don't care about HD, I just want to be able to turn up, power on, without worrying about treading on someone else's feed. And that's mm. kind of what I want. I kind of want, you know, the, the you know right. a, a signal that they're all plug and play, all connects together. I think Painless might get what I'm trying to say. Um, no, I... I, I I do, and it's coming. I actually saw it today. Not really. Whoa, in your really? hands? Was it in your hands? Yeah, I, can't, I can't say any more about. But, oh. but it, the, 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 yeah, the technology where you power up and the system finds a free frequency and then auto configures the video transmitter is coming. Wow, oh, that's going to be game changer. That one. That's it. That's all I need. I need that Tony proof equipment. Job done. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> is there any is there any Tony proof equipment? I don't um, think so. Uh, speaking of which, man, Dan Dan has taken your quad and he's he's re done all the old wiring from the fire that you had in inside your quad and everything. He's put shielding. Um, he's got rid of a load of stuff. Giant. What do you think, uh, Painless? What are you thinking about all this? Um, adding giant caps to say your um battery input you know your xd60 or anything to stop the back feeding of a voltage you know with all these high switching fets and that to, to be fair I, it, it's not something that i tend to have a problem with but then i don't run really hot rigs mm. um you know we, we tend to run the majority of kind of 3s in here 
um, you know, I'm, I'm getting old now, so so things that happen at 3S are quite fast enough for my brain to keep up with. If I, if I slap 4S on there and drop the prop size, I, I you know, I, I think my brain are going to hyperspace. But it, it, um, for, you know, for me, for me, um, you know, my background is actually as an electronics um, engineer. That's how I originally started. I think there's a there's an awful lot of worry um, about some of this stuff, and a lot of the a lot of the modern electronics are actually pretty good. I think you just have to use a bit of common sense and make sure that your connections are good. And um, you know, a lot of people get really hung up about things like uh, you know earth loops mm. and stuff on the craft. And in reality, there isn't really enough current in a lot of the signal lines. Um, to do any real damage so um, yeah, it, it's not something we we come across as a problem here and it's also tends to be something not something that we get asked about subscribers for now now that might be that the subscribers who are on the channel and the people that are asking the questions are um, uh, you know at, at the beginning of their journey building multi multi rotors um, maybe you know that the, the guys and girls that are flying the really hot rigs you know where there are all these you know problems um, and considerations, you know, and on, on the channel, but I, I'm, I'm not seeing it. Um, I've got a question in from um, a higher. He says, um, back to the VTX of, of <clears throat> the Holy Grail VTX. How many pilots at once? Nudge, wink. Please, <laughs> well, the, please the, tell us. Please, just yeah, put it in chat so I can send it to him, man, because he will cry. I'll have a phone call afterwards. <laughs> The, the problem is, is that we're limited by the amount of frequencies that we actually have available yeah, on the 5.8 band. Bands. Yeah, um, and, and that's not going to change. So, with with the the side banding and the bleeding that you get around the edge of the signals, uh, we you know even with race band, we can kind of squeeze eight in just. Um, you know, I, I think until we get um, a, a, a different range of frequencies or a wider range of frequencies. We're kind of stuck with the physical limitations of what you can do with a radio signal. I think eight's enough anyway. Rating seven. So well, I mean, I don't know. I'd be crazy. Came up with the whole, you know, if you short your, what was it? Short your sound to ground and narrow your bandwidth or some, you know, spin round, clap your hands. You can get twelve pilots oh, up uh, at once. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I've I've been. I think that works so long as everybody's using that that same system. Yeah. Um, you know where everybody's you know trying to limit um, the the transmissions to a very narrow band within the the five point eight stuff that we can use. But but I think in reality, you know, if, if you go to these race meets, everybody's using slightly different kits, and it only takes a handful of people to use kits that isn't as well behaved that starts to wander into those other people that are trying to use, you know, these kind of pseudo bands by, by being smart and clever. So uh, unfortunately, yeah, I think I can, for the time being, I think we're kind of stuck to eight um, for, for everyday use. Oh, look, uh, ah, you've heard it here first, people. Uh, Painless 360 mugging off race band. Uh, <laughs> he's not a fan. <laughs> No, I, I, I like race band. You know, we, we, we've got a lot of race band stuff here, and I, I really like it. It's just race band still only gives you eight pilots. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I've always grounded my audio, says Chris. Moving on, changing subject. Do you want to answer some well, questions? Painless, painless. I was going to say, what are you doing on the 7th of May? Because we need you down at the air show. Yes. Show. Uh, yeah, well, let's, let's have a look at that. Because that's down on the south coast, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Fantastic. We'll definitely have to have a look at that because I'd like to come along. That sounds like a fun day. We, we really want you to talk and have your own. You're an excellent talker, very informative. Um, so much so that... You just, you just want me to come along and fix all your stuff, don't no, you? No, that's that's, what you really want. no, I'm out of the job if you do that. <laughs> how people should fly and, and it'd be amazing to just have you there. Whatever you could do, it'd be amazing if you came up. But there's so many options that you could probably even educate or do, you know, really serve the community even further and yourselves of advertising yourself. We'll, we'll put a sign above you saying Payless 360 and everyone there will be fucking around you. Yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said flocking. <laughs> Yeah, he's flocking. Flocking. Yeah, yeah don't flocking. don't don't make him talk about <laughs> speed again. I mean clock speed. <laughs> Reducing. <laughs> I tell you what, Jack, you've done really well. We've got through the best part of an hour there without you bringing up penises. That yeah. was really impressive. <laughs> oh, well. uh, <laughs> Near, nearly no. though. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> he's obviously a regular Let's Drone Out listener. But you know, <laughs> he's got the idea. Um, yeah, little bees are really noisy. Fix my stuff, says Ed. Create a, a secret society members on how to fix the quad. Uh, just do talks about stuff. Leo, good pilot. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, some stuff out the chat just to keep you guys updated. We are reading it. But um, yeah, I think Jay's got a point. You know, I think that, you, you know, uh, you help spread awareness and stuff. And like it links into that whole, you know, you wish you kind of chose a different name on the, you know, when I'm when I'm thinking when I first started, the last thing I would have typed in was if I need help with with my uh, with my quadcopter, I would have typed in the word painless and 360. Not the 360 <laughs> is really, really, Jack. I, I, yeah. I can't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, spreading the knowledge that you are here, you know, a good resource which leads me on to, like, where do you find your best resources? And where did you get your name? Yeah. Okay, so so let, let's do the name one first, because that, that's the slightly uh, odder one. So going back to the fact that we're called Painless 360, the weird thing is I can't change it now, because the third highest search term for all the videos that we have on the channel is now Painless 360. Number one is Nazi32. Number two is CC3D, believe it or not. And number three is Painless 360. So if if I if I got rid of Painless 360, it's now become um, a, a recognisable thing. And I know some of the subscribers, when they have a problem, they'll search for you know ESC problem Painless 360 to kind of bring up the stuff that we've done. Mm. So um, so yeah, I'm a bit stuck with it now. Uh, the, the the name actually came about from back in the days where I was joining Xbox Live, and we're going back a long time now. It's probably 11 years, I think, since I set the live account. Um, so everyone knows what my Xbox Live ID is now, don't they? Yeah, that's and, it. Um, Hundreds they of friends. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. They do now. That's it. Friend request ahoy. So, so what I was doing, I was trying to find a, a really um, good Xbox Live name that nobody else had had. And, of course, everything I thought of, you know, somebody in America had already pinched so you know, I played a lot of first-person shooters back then, and I was I was really interested in getting something that was um, you know sounded sounded quite mean, something that Clint Eastwood would be called in a movie, right? So I'm I'm trying all these different names, none of them. Everything I type in, you know, kind of um, you know, a, a cult or red dragon or whatever it is I'm trying to find, everything's gone. So I, I'm thinking, oh right, okay. Probably two days I've been trying to get a name because I don't want to be called, you know, hipster 2072297 or whatever. I would really see you. Thinking, why not? Why not? 
That's nothing right. I mean, if you are hipster twenty nine two one nine seven, then you know I apologise. But um, that's me. That's it. Oh, oh, no. oh no, he's in the chat. He's very angry. <laughs> you want to be a friend request by the time we finish this? Oh, but, but the um, but I, I so I was looking for. Um, you know, kind of uh, Gatling or something like that was. I wanted something like that as as the handle, and unfortunately, or you know, you couldn't have anything like that. Now there is a very famous Gatling gun in the Predator film that a guy called Jesse Ventura uh, carries with him through the jungle after Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he calls it Painless. So I thought, okay, because I couldn't have Gatling, I thought, we'll try Painless. So I put in Painless, and he went, yep, you can have Painless 179. I was like, oh, here we are again. So I thought, okay, Painless 24-7. No. Painless 9 to 5. No. Uh, Painless (laughs) Unlimited. No. Painless 360. Yes, you can have that one. So, So I hit the go button, and that was it. Painless 360. I became online and have been for the last 11 years. So, so the name, as it as it turns out, has kind of worked because the whole channel is about making RC technology easier or painless. But it's actually named after the Gatling gun in Predator. Awesome. I, just to lower the tone, um, I will share w- with everyone my uh, Xbox Live uh, handle, and it is Vicious Spanker. <laughs> would be anything else, Jack. No, it, it wouldn't. Be anything else. It wouldn't. So yeah, I'm looking forward to. There is a painless. There is a guy called Jack FPV, and he used to. We had him on last week, and he used to play Call of Duty. So I'd love to see how well you two would do against each other. In a so uh, yeah, I might drop him a message with your um, Xbox that handle. Off. Yeah, and and you yeah. know. We've got the new Tom Clancy game coming out. Is it the Syndicate or something? That yeah. looks quite good. Oh, God. Yeah, well, that looks right. What's happened to Lechdro now? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so we've completely gone off topic. Yeah. So what was the original question? The one was about the name, and I forgot the other one because we've gone completely... No, I've forgotten now. I, I asked oh, something. Yeah. It's, it's we've, all, we've all forgotten. So, uh, I don't know. Do you want to have a little look through your questions quickly and pick out your favourite one? to answer because like andrew and Dan... oh, i remember now it was uh, where do i go for my sources of information yep that's it something i said 20 minutes ago yep that's it that's all right that's all right the, the, the last cup of coffee is still obviously working away so so the way um i tend to do it is um i don't tend to use the forums um and the reason is is that i tend to find them very confusing um some of the ver- some of the sticky posts are really good and the sti- but the sticky post tends to be written by some of the developers or the guys that have got the product quite early on, um, and those are great. But then it very quickly, in my experience, kind of devolves into he said, she said, yes, no, I hate you, and and then you know you're kind of down in the middle. Um, so I tend to find that the best sources of information, believe it or not, tend to be the manuals. Um, there's an awful lot of information out there that, although the manuals aren't always well written, because open source, you know, the the focus is on getting the product out the door before somebody rips it off and copies it. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, reading through that is is kind of really useful. The the other thing I find is that because we've been doing this now for so long, you tend to find that most of the technology that you get in now is kind of a variation on a theme. 
Mm. So, so what what you're looking at really is that is the 15, 20 percent of this new thing that's slightly different from the other seven things like it you've had a look at, um, and that's that's really useful for us because you don't have to start from scratch. But then the, the challenge for us is trying to relay all of that goodness in a video in a way that isn't condescending or or doesn't skip information that people you know will find critical to help follow what, what's going on. So. It's a bit of a difficult one to answer that is is the answer. Yeah. We tend to um, spend a lot of time on Google and we're lucky if we really get stuck, we'll go to the, the manufacturer. Um, and it's nice now if I ring a manufacturer up or I email them and say, hi, it's Lee from Painless 360, most of them will kind of go, oh, brilliant, we watch your videos and, and, and we get a great answer. Um, so we've done that for a couple of subscribers where we've had um, a request come in over a couple of days and we've had three or four of the same request and we're looking at it and we're scratching our heads as well if we get really stuck we'll go to the manufacturer and sometimes that's due to a, a, a do we call them features or bugs in the hobby yeah, uh, due to uh... due to something that isn't <laughs> quite there with a the product yeah. and usually i'll find out <clears throat> most of the time Sorry. when you speak to the manufacturer they'll say oh actually we know about that um we're kind of, you know, we're, we're the, there's a new version of the firmware coming out yeah. um, that will be out at such and such a date. We've, and then in that case, we just message the people that have asked the question. And as soon as that firmware is out, then we make the video and we, and we cover it. Coke. So, for example, one of them is um, Team, Team Black Sheep, the Power Cube. We did a video today about updating the firmware. And that's because uh, the TBS guys have added an awful lot of code to clean flight to make it do some really cool stuff with their on-screen display and their video transmitter but the thing that wasn't quite working was the leds at the back mm. so they've just done a firmware update that fixes the led problem i was having so we've done the video about that and actually going back to your your question about what we're going to see so that's quite a cool idea so the tbs guys have made it so that the the LEDs at the back of uh, your craft, you know, the individually addressable ones, yeah, the yeah. WS, yeah, yeah, that stuff. Um, the, the, because the Calibri flight controller in the power cube knows what video um, channel you're using to transmit on, it then sets the color of the LEDs at the back to a corresponding color that identifies the channel that you're on. So if you had three or four power cubes in a race and the LEDs at the back, two of them had the same color LEDs, you know, those two are on the same channel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah, oh, so really cool. Time. We need you back, Painless 360. You have been a fantastic yeah. today. We, we can't cram it all into an hour. It's no, we need forever. you back. That's uh, it. Yeah. Open invitation. I would, I would love to. I'd love to. Thank you very much for the opportunity to come and awesome, talk to you guys, right? and yeah, I really enjoy the show. And uh, thanks, Jack, for for getting me involved in all this and turning me onto this. It's, Absolute uh, honour. It, it's good fun. And that's it. Um, Thank you. So what we've learned today is, uh, if Painless just quickly says the manuals, that's how, where he finds his information, and then I can play this on three. One, two, three. The manuals, <laughs> <laughs> dramatic effect. <laughs> right, uh, thank you. You've been listening to Let's Drone Out. We've run slightly over. I'm really sorry, but we've been joined by the wonderful Painless 360, who is a god of knowledge, and uh, we've all been enlightenment, enlightened, enlightened. That's it, enlightened. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, guys. No worries. Uh, you've been joined by Chip uh, Chipgo. You're on at ten o'clock. 
yep. in an hour. If all goes well. Cool. Good luck, Chip Doe. And that was Tony. And goodbye, my fellow listeners, and shout out to Geese FPV. Yep. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thank you. Telemetry lost.